welcome back to another episode of the Adam Schefter Podcast. As we head into week 13, we will be joined today by the 49ers Pro Bowl offensive tackle, Trent Williams, who has a new documentary coming out on Amazon, Apple TV, and iTunes on December 14th called Silverback, the Trent Williams story. And for those who don't know the Trent Williams story, he was diagnosed with the sarcoma cancer on his head that needed to be removed and treated. It was life-threatening at one point in time. His comeback is inspirational, and we'll talk to him about his documentary as well as the streak that the 49ers are now on as they try to make it to the postseason. And we'll look ahead to week 13 as well. But we can't do that without first looking back at the week that was so memorable in so many different ways. Now, for those of you who tuned into this podcast last week, we had on the great Tennessee Titans offensive tackle, the former Michigan alum, Taylor Lewan. And you can go back and listen to the words, but Taylor Lewan and myself predicted that Michigan would prevail in its annual battle with Ohio State for the first time in a long time. And that is exactly what happened on Saturday in what I would say might be one of the biggest Michigan wins ever in Michigan Stadium. My son was there. He's in his senior year at Michigan. It was the last home game of his college career. And he said he'd never heard, and other people said the same thing, Michigan Stadium that loud, that electric, that much alive with what happened that day. Now, before that day, we should also point out some of the events that transpired over the holiday weekend. I needed to share this little story. So on Wednesday, my wife's cousin decides to stop by. He had asked me to autograph a few different books that I had written to give out as holiday gifts. And he came over on Wednesday afternoon, about 3.30, as everybody's getting ready for the big holiday weekend in which my parents flew in from Florida and my brother flew in from Las Vegas and we were planning to be at my sister's house on Long Island. And our cousin stopped over at 3.30 in the afternoon, stayed till about five, signed the books, had a nice visit with him. And then at nine that night, his father called to inform us that his son had tested positive for COVID. Now, you can imagine what that would be like the night before Thanksgiving, when we don't have any food in our house planned for Thanksgiving Day, to all of a sudden have to tell my family that we have planned to spend Thanksgiving with for weeks now, that we will not be attending. How about the fact that we were planning my brother's 50th birthday dinner on Saturday night? Off. Can't attend. And my friends and I were supposed to get together to watch the aforementioned Michigan-Ohio State game on Saturday. That, of course, did not happen as me, my wife, my daughter didn't leave our house until Monday to get the eventual negative tests that we did. And it's unfortunate, of course, that our country is dealing with all this and our hearts go out to all the people uh, dealing with this particular pandemic. And there are people that are in a lot worse situation than me. But I will say that to find out that you had been exposed to a somebody that had COVID the night before Thanksgiving was a very inopportune time to get that news. It would be one thing to get it on a Monday of any other work week, but a holiday week with all those events planned, that was not enjoyable. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors. I do, you do, we all do, big, small. And when we keep them bottled up, as I sometimes have had happen in the past, it can start to affect us 
negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. It's helpful for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. It empowers you to be the best version of yourself. It isn't just for those who have experienced major trauma. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash Adam today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash Adam. So that was our aborted Thanksgiving week, our disrupted Thanksgiving week, a Thanksgiving week that we will never forget. And in our house, I guess Thanksgiving's become a little bit like the Olympics once every four years. Three years ago, I passed a kidney stone over Thanksgiving. Two years ago was the pandemic. This past year was the situation where we were in contact with somebody that tested positive. So next year will be the first time in four years, if it comes off, that we will get to celebrate Thanksgiving. And like I said, for our family, Thanksgiving has become a little bit like the Olympics, which is the way it is. Now, the game Saturday, that was off the charts, made up for a little bit. What a tremendous victory by the Big Blue, the Michigan team. And as I said last week, my college roommates' children go to Michigan. My son is a senior at Michigan. And honestly, for myself, I'm happy that Michigan won, but it doesn't make or break my life one way or another the way that it does for many people. But what I am most pleased about is that our children, the children of all these people who attended Michigan, who now go to Michigan themselves, get to experience the type of memories that we had when we went to Michigan and the University of Michigan won the national championship in college basketball a few weeks before our graduation, where Michigan won the Rose Bowl in our senior year to leave us with memories that we still remember to this day. We wanted, I wanted, our children to experience some of the great times, great college times that we did back in the day. And they did. They got that last weekend at Ohio State. In fact, when the game ended and all the fans stormed the field, my son was standing with the son of one of my college friends, Jake Lefferts. And Jake Lefferts, I hope he doesn't mind me sharing his name, was crying as he was watching all the commotion, all the celebration on the field. And my son said, do you want to go out in the field? And he said, nope, I just want to stand here and bask in all the glory as he wiped away his tears. And I don't want to pretend like this is something new for us. And so they stood in the stadium for their final home game as seniors at Michigan and watched the celebration unfold in front of them on the field without running onto the field like most everybody else in that stadium. So our children have those memories that they got last weekend, and they had the chance to make more memories this upcoming weekend with the Big Ten Championship game in Indianapolis against Iowa. And again, I'd like to see Michigan win. It will not make or break me. It will not change my life. But for my son and for the children of my college friends, I want them to have as many memorable moments as we were fortunate enough to have as Michigan students. All right, let's move on to this week's subject, this week's interview. Truly one of the great players, one of the great unheralded players in the National Football League, Trent Williams. As we mentioned, he has a new documentary, Silverback, the Trent Williams story, coming out December 
14th. It's a documentary in which he opens up for the first time. He's usually a pretty private guy, but he felt it was important to share his journey through his initial life-threatening diagnosis, his comeback, making an impact off the field, even during his recovery, in the hopes of encouraging someone else who might be experiencing the same thing. I also should mention that Trent Williams is currently Pro Football Focus's highest-ranked player in the National Football League. Tops, higher than Jonathan Taylor, higher than Devontae Adams, higher than Aaron Rodgers, higher than Cooper Cup, higher than any player at any position. And now he's got his own documentary coming out, and now he is with us as well today. How are you doing there, Trent? I'm doing good. How are you doing? Thank you very much for taking the time to join us today. Oh, yeah, no problem, man. You know, I appreciate it, as always. You know, I don't know that we've ever actually met before, have we? I feel like we have. I feel like we have also, but I don't think that we've ever spoken. Like, I know I've reported on you an awful lot over the years (laughs) from being the high draft pick that you were, from being (laughs) traded, holding out, your medical situation, all the things that we're going to get into today. But I don't think I've had the honor of speaking with the eight-time Pro Bowl offensive tackle, the man that Pro Football Focus has as the highest-rated player in the entire National Football League. I don't know. You might be right on that. Maybe just so much history, it maybe felt like we already knew each other. <laughs> right, exactly. My job is to kind of document your story, and right. your story unfolds as maybe you see it on ESPN, but we have never had the occasion to speak. So here we go, right? Yes, sir. So you have a story, you have a documentary coming out on December 14th that basically takes us through your medical situation. And I could tell you this from my situation, Trent, I remember standing back and always wondering what is going on with Trent Williams situation. I always knew and felt like there was so much there that wasn't being told. So now you're telling it. So what is the message in this documentary? What are people going to learn when they tune into this? Uh, You're right. You know, I was quiet about a lot of it um, for a long time, you know, not not just to the media, but to, you know, some people close to me as well. But, yeah, I think this is just kind of me opening up and and sharing, you know, the whole story, how exactly how it went, exactly how it impacted me, you know, people close to me. And, um, you know, and just kind of how I dealt with it on my on my way back to kind of, be, you know, to who I am right now. So. Uh, I think that's kind of that's kind of what this documentary entails, and uh, you know, something that I really you know haven't spoke on prior to that. What was it like to find out that you had the sarcoma cancer on top of your head that needed to be removed and treated? What, were you, what do you remember your reaction to be at that time? Man, I was I was mortified. Man, just I just scared. Didn't know what didn't know what to expect. You know, hearing that that you know, uh, daunted C word, you know, especially when they speaking to you and speaking about you. Uh, it's, it's something that is hard to, hard to put in words, you know, it's just something you would never expect in your wildest dreams to, to go and, and be diagnosed with, with cancer. You know, you see about it, you hear about it, you know, people that went through it, but you know, n- nobody ever expects to have to deal with it, you know? And that it was a very awakening experience. In what way? Uh, just because 
I took a lot of stuff for granted just in life in general, you know, being an NFL athlete and, and um, just kind of last 15 years of life has kind of been scheduled, documented, you know, basically pampered, you know, so to speak, you know, just be keeping it honest, you know, just being an athlete, you, you know, we, we don't have a, especially while you're in it, it's not a ton of, of struggles that you encounter, you know, and me being successful at the sport and kind of, you know, doing what I was at the time, I just felt like, I mean, for lack of a better word, I just felt, you know, untouchable, you know, or, or didn't, didn't feel like I was near, <clears throat> near death or anything that was described to me, you know. And how close to death did you come when you say near death like that? Like, what was a time where you were concerned that you wouldn't be able to live? <laughs> I was, I mean, when they, when they told me that I didn't have long to live, you know, that was. A, they told you that? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, they told me to, to get my affairs in order. You know, they told me to get close to my kids. They told me to um, kind of just get uh, get closer to the things that matter most. And when they tell you that, what goes through your mind? <laughs> I don't even know. If, it just, I don't know. It's like, I was. I just felt, felt broken. Like, I felt dead. Like, I felt like, all right, this is the end of the road. You know, like, it was a... It was uh, it, everything happened so quick. Cause I found out the diagnosis, then you know, just within a couple of weeks, I was already getting that type of news. So, you know, I, at that time, I just felt like, you know, it, it was I was it was over. You know, and I, I instantly started thinking about like how my kids would feel, like you know, not not having a father around and stuff like that, and, and you know, just um. Like not not being not being there and like not being able to, you know, like like walk them down the aisle stuff like that. You know, I think it, it turned on. I had um went to a specialist in Chicago, and um that's when they did um they did a three D scan and they said that uh they took a closer look and they said that you know I did the tumor was attached to the skull, but um. The cancer cells hadn't hadn't yet metastasized through, so um, at that point, you know, we we had to do basically emergency. Well, not emergency, but yeah, we went into surgery. Like I mean, I think maybe a day after that, or two days after that, to uh, to go remove the um, the tumor before it could spread. So, I think at that time, that's when you know a little ray of light kind of poked through when they told me, you know, this is it's not to where that doctor thought it was yet, but we don't have, you know, a lot of time and we can go ahead and get it done and save, you know, at least save your life. And at that time, I wasn't really thinking, you know, uh, football was ever going to be a, another thing. You know, I thought football was over with. They told you you'll never play again? Yeah. So, you know, even when when the doc, when the doc was, you know, when he came in and he was, the nurse was, you know, I can already see she was kind of like, you know, already kind of crying a little bit, you know, a couple of tears that dropped. And then the doc's eyes was kind of like watery. And then I, I was just thinking that they was going to tell me I couldn't, I couldn't play football no more. So I was just like, you know, doc, just just put it on me. Like, what, I, I can't play ball no more? And then they was just saying, like, 
you know, at this time, I think football probably releases your words. You know, I think that's a far gone conclusion. So at that point, like even with getting the positive story to it, I mean, positive diagnosis that it wasn't that far, I, I didn't, it didn't register to me that football would ever come back into the equation. So when does it come back to you at a certain point that, wow, maybe I will be able to play again? <laughs> it's crazy. Well, um, when I went under for the surgery for the second one, um, when it was actually going to to remove everything and um, <laughs> they they didn't know at that time, they still didn't know because there was, a, there was a chance that they would have to remove a piece of my skull with it. And if they did, then they would have to replace it with, with an artificial bone. And then they said at that time, you know, I couldn't play with that. So, um, so when I went under, I honestly, I didn't know. I didn't know until I woke up. Uh, and that was one of the first questions I asked when I woke up was, you know, will I be able to play again? And, and when they told me I could, I just kind of, you know, I was in a lot of pain and whatnot, but, you know, I just went to sleep comfortably, man, just knowing that, you know, I did have a, I did have a chance to come back. So your life and your career were literally hanging on by a thread, basically. <laughs> yeah. Am I overstating that? No, nah, that's exactly what it was. That's the, Trent, I always knew there was more to that story. And I guarantee when we watch the documentary, I'm watching this. When it's put together, I'm going to be like, holy moly, all this was happening, and I didn't realize this was happening? I mean, it's going to be crazy. You mentioned your doctor coming to you in tears. You mentioned the nurses crying. You mentioned them telling you you won't play football again. There had to be so much emotionally that was going on for you that it's just hard for me to imagine what that – period in your life was like for you and how it changes you it it was it was a very trying time you know um blessed um to say the least but um it you know it was a it is hard to explain it was just a, it's such a roller coaster you know from from going to you know um thinking about how life would be, you know, how, how short life was going to be. And then thinking about life without football and then all coming together and having it all and then having, a, you know, having the ability to return and be able to do what I love again. You know, it, it, it was just, it went from a lot of lows to, you know, some, some really high, some really high highs. What did you learn about cancer? during this process, because I'm sure there are some people out there that have fought their own battle that are listening in and they're looking for some words of inspiration and advice. What did you learn about cancer and the battle to defeat it? Yeah. Well, I mean, I think the biggest thing is that I learned that, that cancer doesn't, isn't prejudiced uh, and, and cancer doesn't, doesn't have a, it doesn't have a type of person that it attacks. It doesn't have a, a appetite for a certain type of race or a certain type of it, it you know cancer is something that that's been um a thorn in the inside of the human race for a long time and um you know i know that there's a lot of uh groups and a lot of organizations and foundations that are they're doing you know everything they can to to try to help and find you know more ways to, to help us defeat cancer but 
I mean, all in all, it, it's a monster, and um, you know, mm. you never you never understand the the depths of it until you actually come toe to toe with it. And you know, and if I can say to anybody, you know, who who dealt with it, even even thought they was dealing with it, you know, it's just it's never over till it's over, you know. And you just gotta you gotta you just gotta continue to fight, you know, continue to to find a reason to live. How did that change the way that you approach the game today? Uh, yeah. It, it's a lot, right? <laughs> yeah. It's hard to even talk about, huh? Hey, you know what? What you did is unbelievable. And I don't think people realize it. I, I didn't realize. It. Like, I knew there was a lot there, like I said. But I didn't know that. And, and, and I see it's hard for you to even talk about it. So I'll come back. Now that you had a moment to think about it, you wipe away your tears. And it's okay for a big six-foot-five, 320-pound man to cry there, Trent. It's okay there, <laughs> okay? <laughs> but how does, that, how does that change the way you approach the game and maybe I guess life too, right? Forget the game. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, I just know how to take it for granted, you know. Uh, just every Sunday I just give thanks, you know, because I know that. Um, you know, I just know how close it was to not being there. So do you often get emotional talking about it? I mean, because you're not you're not usually a public kind of guy. Yeah, I ain't never, you know, never really talked about it, you know, in depth to this magnitude, really. So, not, you know, not publicly, other other than really a documentary, but you know, that's kind of, you know, broken up a little bit. Let me ask this question: Everybody knows the eight-time Pro Bowl offensive tackle in Washington traded to San Francisco, helps the 49ers get to the Super Bowl. How many of your teammates? How many of your coaches know the extent? of the physical battle that you waged to be in the position that you are today. How many of those people know about this? I don't know. Not a lot. They ever ask you about it? You know, sometimes somebody might ask, like, like you know, what happened in my head or something, I ask about the score. And then, you know, I might go and I might tell them about what happened, but, you know, not, I haven't, not really. I mean, you know, I just touch and touch and go. I never really went into depth. With, with, you know, I ain't, I ain't gonna say nothing, nothing. Nobody knows, but, you know, a small percentage. And this occurred while you were in Washington, playing for Washington. That was the other mystery to all this, that it seemed like you never wanted to go back there. You never wanted to play for that team again. While I have you, what was that about? Uh, I mean, it wasn't even really, it wasn't. It was just the respect factor, you know. I just felt like it wasn't, it wasn't there. I just felt like, you know, I understood that, like, with it being misdiagnosed, I, I understood how it could have been misdiagnosed. It was a very rare form of cancer. Like, I didn't really have a, a lot of, um, you know, disdain towards that in particular. Um, and I was just, it was just afterwards, you know, I had went just went through. A ton, you know. I just, I didn't really hear from. Him. I didn't really, you know, 
from the people that, you know, that, that really, they really was supposed to be there to kind of help, you know, lend a helping hand or whatever. I don't know. I just didn't really hear from them. And I just kind of realized that, you know, for a lot of times I was doing everything like, you know, it was more so putting, putting them, them first. You know, I, I feel like I, I did a lot of things for the team that, that put the team first. And I just didn't feel like at that point that they, you know, valued the relationship the same. So I just started to look at it different and, you know, and it just, it just kind of snowballed from there. You know, I don't really want to badmouth the organization. Like I'm kind of past that point, you know, I, it, ain't, it ain't even, you know, I don't, I don't really have no hard feelings for them or nothing like that. Um, I just feel like at that time it was time for a change. You know what I'm saying? It just, and I just feel like we we were just seeing it just two different two different um just on two different levels at that point. So, but in a nutshell, you didn't feel like they supported you when when you needed it. I think that's my takeaway. Correct? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can say that. You can say that. Um, and you know, I mean, like I said, I don't, I don't hold that against the organization. I know mm-hmm. different people there now, and then it was. And, whatnot so i mean i understand i understand the, the business side of it as well too so i get it i get that this is all a business and um one thing you don't do in business put your personal feelings in, into it so um you know but that that was just me coming from a you know from a, from a fight you know and i, and I hadn't you know it just wasn't myself it didn't feel like myself and you know maybe i was a little more sensitive to that fact but um all in all i think you know, I just it was just time for a fresh start. And you go to San Francisco, and I could tell you that when the 49ers traded for you during the draft a couple of years back, a few years back, Sean McVay and the Rams were miserable about that. They were, <laughs> not, they were not happy that you wound up in San Francisco. And I think all these moves at the 49ers, I think all these moves that the Rams have made since then, they've almost been in reaction to the 49ers going to get a guy that they wanted so badly in Los Angeles with them. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, you know, me and, me and Sean are pretty cool, too, man. It was a tough decision, but, you know, I felt like San Francisco was a place to be. And how have you enjoyed your time out there so far? I love it, man. I love it. It's just a joy coming to work every day, you know, with a team that, that works as hard as they do, as we do, with a coach as smart as the coach that we have, with uh, owners that care as much as our owners care, you know, a GM that is, is hands-on relatable as John Lynch is. So, you know, it, it makes coming to work easy. It makes being a 49er pretty easy. And the team is rolling right now, Trent. Rolling. Yeah, I mean, you know, we 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 kinda we kinda starting to hit that stride. You know, we still got some things we gotta clean up. We still we faced with a little bit of injury bugs. So we'll yeah. see how we recover from that. But you know, we're we're in a good place right now. Definitely a better place than we felt like we were a month ago. It looks like no Debo Samuel this week. It looks like no Fred Warner this week. But how far do you think this team can go? I honestly, when you look at it, I feel like the NFL is about as even as it has been in a long time. Um, uh, especially when you look at the NFC, I think all the teams are kind of like, and 80% of the teams are right there around the same record. There's a couple front runners, but uh, it's all pretty even. So, when you look at it like that, I just feel like this team can uh, another run like 19 isn't too far out of you know out of reach. And 
And I feel like that's the goal, which, I mean, obviously that's the goal for about 70% of the teams right now. But, you know, it's definitely our goal. We think we can obtain it. I think we have the talent to do so. We got the organization to do so. So, you know, that's, that's, that's what we're striving for. Hey, Trent, I want to thank you for your time. And I want to let you know, it was an honor to appear in your documentary. They sat oh, yeah, down and no, interviewed. Appreciate it, man. Yeah, they, they they interviewed me about you. And again, we hadn't met. So there's again some of those connections that are coming forth. I'm talking about you in your documentary. And I remember saying to them, I always felt like there was a lot I didn't know. A lot I didn't know. Yeah, now you know. <laughs> now I know. And and I'm glad that we finally got the chance to sit down and talk. Hopefully, it will not be the last time. I appreciate it. I congratulate you on making it all the way back and performing at the level that you do. It's an inspiration to a lot of people and keep up the great work and happy holidays to you and your family, Trent. Hey, same to you. I appreciate you for having me. And uh, thanks again for, for, you know, appearing in documentary, people will be able to see. So, you know, you'll be able to see yourself. And there is the top rated player in the entire national football league, according to pro football focus, the eight time, Pro Bowl offensive tackle of the San Francisco 49ers, maybe the best offensive lineman in all of football, Trent Williams, sharing his story about the documentary that is coming out on December 14th. Again, you can find that on Amazon, Apple TV, iTunes. It's called Silverback, the Trent Williams story. As for week 13, maybe the best game will be on Monday Night Football this week. We have got the first place New England Patriots traveling to Buffalo, where it's supposed to snow, I might add, where we will be in attendance for the Patriots-Bills Monday night game that sets up to me as the game of the week. These two teams will play twice in a four-week span. They'll meet New England again in week 16. So this is the first of those two meetings. And Josh Allen has won his last two starts against the Patriots. He's got 11 touchdown passes on Monday night football, the most ever by a quarterback in his first three Monday night football starts. And the Patriots haven't lost three straight games to the Buffalo Bills since the 1999-2000 seasons. They're on a two-game losing streak, and you know what that environment is going to be like in Buffalo on Monday night when we are there for Monday night football. Sunday night, pretty good game too. Broncos Chiefs, you remember, this game was flexed into this spot, replacing the 49ers and Seahawks game, which was moved to the afternoon that day. The 49ers beat the Seahawks in Santa Clara in week four, 28-21. The 49ers are four and one on the road this season, uh, but they are expected to be without Debo Samuel. They are expected to be without their great linebacker, Fred Warner. And so that will be a challenging matchup for the 49ers, despite the fact that the Seattle Seahawks are really slumping and struggling right now. We'll also get the Ravens and Steelers. How much do we love listening to Mike Tomlin, especially during Mike Tomlin's press conferences, when he goes on rants and riffs about everything going on? Someone this week asked him if he was open to Chase Claypool's suggestion that they should play music and make practice more fun, to which Tomlin said, Claypool plays wide out, and I'll let him do that. I'll formulate the practice approach, and I think that division of labor is appropriate. Now, you can just hear him saying that. That's Mike Tomlin. Love what that guy does. And if anybody could get the Steelers out of their slump, it'll be him. We've got the Jaguars and Rams as the Rams 
try to break their slump. It's Jalen Ramsey's first career game against the Jaguars. Remember, he was the fifth overall pick by Jacksonville in 2016, traded to the Rams in 2019, and now gets to go up against his former team. We have the surging Washington football team against the surging Las Vegas Raiders. The Raiders snapped a three-game losing streak on Thanksgiving Day against the Cowboys. The Raiders will have 10 days to get ready for that game. Washington hasn't won a game this season against an AFC team. They are 0-4, but now they will try to snap that streak as they try to keep alive their small playoff hopes. We got the Eagles and Jets, some questions about Jalen Hurts. We got the Giants and Dolphins, Vikings, Lions, Chargers, Bengals, Cardinals, Bears, as we get ready to Kyler Murray come back. And being that we're talking about the Cardinals, just wanted to bring up a story from last week. Really amazing to me. And it continues to amaze me what, what goes on sometimes in the world. But on Sunday afternoon, got a call from somebody and they were saying, hey, are you aware of the fact that some people from Oklahoma quietly been reaching out uh, to Cliff Kingsbury to gauge his interest here as a potential replacement for Lincoln Riley? And I said, no, I was not aware of that. And it was not Cliff Kingsbury's agent, but it was somebody that would be in the know. And so I asked some more questions, made another call, put out a story that just said basically that Cliff Kingsbury is on the targeted list of candidates that Oklahoma is going to go over, consider whatnot. And sure enough, I, I, I was so surprised at the reaction. I, maybe I shouldn't have been, right? But it was, oh, uh-huh. Cliff Kingsbury's agent planting stories. Cliff Kingsbury's agent getting the word out. No, Cliff Kingsbury's agent did not get the word out. Now, does that story benefit Cliff Kingsbury and Cliff? Absolutely, undeniably, because Cliff Kingsbury is going to be in demand. But did that story, that information come from somebody else entirely? Absolutely. And yet people continue to just say, oh, very nice of Cliff Kingsbury's agent to leak the story. And I just think when people assume things, so often they're wrong. And it's just frustrating for me and my job to see that go on when I know the genesis of these stories and I know the backstory and people just make that assumption. Again, can do whatever they want, can figure out the sources. And yes, the agent does benefit. But no, the agent was not the person who called me about it, did not speak to him about it that day. So there's the situation on Cliff Kingsbury, who has one year remaining on his contract after this year. And you can take this to the bank. That's going to be a situation to watch because either he's going to get extended or he is going to have interest in places like Oklahoma or potentially other NFL teams. So we'll see how that one unfolds in the coming weeks and months. But we haven't heard the last of Cliff Kingsbury's contractual situation. And no, that did not come from his agent. I'm just telling you, matter of factly, that's the particular situation. And oh, yeah, I didn't mention the Buccaneers Falcons. Also an interesting matchup with Tom Brady being 9-0 and against the Falcons during his career, including that win in the Super Bowl that I think most people remember. And he has the most wins without a loss against any opponent going up against Atlanta. I'm sure the Falcons are just thrilled to see Tom Brady again this upcoming week. All right, before I let you go across all of ESPN, we're kicking off V-Week on November 30th. We do it every year around the start of the college basketball season to honor our teammate Jim Valvano by supporting the V Foundation for Cancer Research, the foundation that he announced in his unforgettable SB speech so many years ago. And Jim's message of don't give up, don't ever give up, means even more to us this year than ever before. We're seeing it hit especially close to home 
with our beloved teammate and cancer fundraising champion, Dick Vitale, and his recent cancer diagnosis. If you're able to join us today in supporting the V Foundation for Cancer Research, you can give by going to v.org slash donate now. That's v.org slash donate now. All right. I want to thank Trent Williams for stopping by and sharing some of his story and his wisdom. I want to thank my great producer, Christina Buswell, for putting this podcast together for another week. And I want to thank you, the listener, for tuning in to another Adam Schefter podcast. Please join us again in this spot next week when we are scheduled to be joined by the former Steelers linebacker, Ryan Shazier, who's got his own new book coming out, and he'll discuss that and his career as well. Until then, have a great week, be well, and stay safe.